0: Have you ever wanted to log off of Instagram for a day, maybe for the weekend, maybe even longer, like forever, (laughs) but maybe you held off because you were afraid you were gonna miss out on something. Are there clothes hanging in your closet, beauty products in your bathroom or decor in your home that you bought, maybe influenced by Instagram ads or someone sharing about it on social media that you thought when you bought it It was going to solve all your problems, only for you to still feel empty and restless? Do you find that your creativity, your clarity of mission, or honestly just your ability to focus on something has tanked? And has that correlated to the time that you spend in front of a screen? Hey there, welcome to Letters to Women. It's a podcast where we explore and embrace the feminine genius in our everyday lives as Catholic women. I'm Chloe Langer, and in today's episode, I'm sitting down with Jessamine anderson frane For the first three months of 2021, Jessamine didn't buy anything that wasn't essential. So yes, toothpaste, but no to all the cute stuff that we all love but really do not need in the Target dollar section. She also took an intentional step away from social media during that time. You're going to want to listen in to what she learned about herself during that season and if she's gotten back on social media after that time away. If you're ready for a break and you're really hungry for contentment, sister, this letter is for you. This episode of the Letters to Women podcast is sponsored by the Little Catholic Box. The Little Catholic Box is a quarterly subscription box for Catholic women. Each quarter, Erica, who owns the little Catholic box, curates a bunch of fun and unique Catholic items around a spiritual theme. It's so much fun to be a subscriber. It's a blessing to the artisans and creators and small businesses whose items get featured in these quarterly boxes. New subscription signups are currently closed, but you can get on the wait list for when they open back up in December. So if you need, A great Christmas gift idea for a Catholic woman in your life. Maybe it's your mother-in-law. Maybe it's your best friend from college or a neighbor. Maybe it's a woman at church who you'd love to surprise. Hop on the wait list now so that you have early access. Sign up for their email wait list notifications at thelittlecatholicbox.com slash LTW. And if you choose to subscribe to their box later, you're going to get access to a special deal that they're offering only to Letters to Women listeners. Visit thelittlecatholicbox.com dot com slash ltw to get on their waitlist today. Now, let's dive into this conversation with Jessamine. Today, I'm welcoming Jessamine Anderson Frayne to the podcast. She lives in Tennessee with her husband Stephen. She works as a musician, speaker, and writer. And her debut album, featuring music most often heard by Frank Sinatra and Ella Fitzgerald, released in September of 2019. While studying classical voice at the Indiana University Jacobs School of Music, she became heavily involved with campus ministry and fell in love with Jesus and his church. She loves ministering to people hungry for the faith and has enjoyed meeting Catholics across the country over the last few years of her work. Her heart belongs to Jesus, the stage, women's ministry, BBC masterpiece dramas, and anything topped with Parmesan cheese. Off the stage, you'll find her spending time with friends, diving into historical fiction novels, or baking in honor of her mom. Jasmine, welcome to Letters to Women. It's so good (laughs) to have you on the show. Thank you.
1: I'm just still laughing. The Parmesan cheese thing is accurate, (laughs) but it's just really funny to hear somebody else read it out loud.
0: (laughs) You're in good company. You're in good company. So today we're going to be having a conversation about contentment, what that means, what it means to take an honest look at the way we buy things, and also when and how often we're checking into Instagram and what it means to take a break, like the really practical side of taking a break. But to start off this conversation, Jessamine, can you tell me a little bit about your story as a Catholic woman, I think especially for listeners who may be getting to know you for the first time while they're listening to this episode?
1: Sure. Yeah. So um, I'm a cradle Catholic, born and raised but I kind of describe my family as like a mass on Sunday's prayer before meals family, which is beautiful and wonderful. And I'm very grateful I was raised in the faith, but that was kind of like where it stopped in our family. And I, um, I really started to crave more. Um, and I came into my faith when I was in college. Like I never really walked away from my faith. I didn't have a major falling away, but I really came into my faith in college at IU and um, after being, after actually being rejected during Rush, I didn't get into a sorority and I was like, fine, I'll go get involved at the church. Yeah, God had bigger plans. So, um, yeah, so that was kind of when I came into my faith. But I, I was reflecting on this and I was thinking, you know, the last five years in particular have been deeply purifying, which to me is kind of a pious way of saying they've just been really hard. <laughs> Um, I have grown a lot in my faith and in knowledge of the church. And I've just been really hungry to like, understand more about our faith. And that growth in my life has been a huge blessing in the midst of a lot of loss and heartache and a lot of questions. And I feel like for the last five years, I've kind of constantly been living in transition, but I guess that's what the twenties are. (laughs) Um, And I guess just. I don't know, something I think that's so beautiful about Catholicism is the way we celebrate our vocations. So I am married, I've got married last year and in September. And my husband and I are expecting our first baby in February. So we are very excited and it's a privilege to carry this baby. But I will also say pregnancy is very hard. <laughs> it is very hard. Um so yeah, that's kind of my story as a Catholic woman. Yes,
0: yes, I think there's something so beautiful about growing close to the Lord and suffering. Like that suffering that we can't change it, we didn't choose it. We're here. I am consenting to it, not running away from it, and meeting the Lord there. And that is something that I think is really beautifully understood in light of Catholicism.
1: Mm-hmm. I completely agree. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, at the beginning of the year, I have you. You posted about this on Instagram, and I've had it saved for a long time, and I keep reflecting <laughs> on it. It's so good. So you took part you took part in a 3-month contentment challenge where you didn't buy a single non-consumable good. I would love to hear more about what led you to take part in a challenge like that and then what those 3 months were like for you. What did you learn about yourself during that time?
1: Okay, so I there
0: this was there was kind of a, a
1: I feel like in life when we look back you can see what I like to call dominoes like you just see the little things that lead to the next thing and the next thing to get you where you are. So if I look at kind of the initial domino, um, my mom passed away unexpectedly in August of 2019, which was the hardest thing I've ever been through. And, um, but one of the things that kind of happened following that was this recognition of, um, all of her belongings and that she was no longer there. And this stuff was not a replacement for her. And there were things that were very meaningful. My mom was, uh, she was an avid journaler. And so her journals are like one of those, you know, material things that actually is like a connection point to her. But all these other things just like didn't matter anymore. And so I started to gain what I call uh, like a a more eternal perspective of like, what is going to matter in eternity? And when I'm gone, what do I want to, excuse me, like, what do I want to leave behind? And so I just went on this like, okay, I have to get rid of a lot of stuff. And then a few months later, enter the lockdown. And I think a lot of people became very aware of their belongings. And, and then in addition to that, later in the year, I got married. And so you combine your life and your stuff with another person. And you also are given so many beautiful things on your as wedding gifts. And our family, we both come from big families. We were extremely blessed. Um, by the generosity of friends and family with wedding gifts. So it was like, okay, we need absolutely nothing. In fact, we need to get rid of a lot of things. And so there was just kind of like this whole domino effect over the course of about a year. And then um, I, there's a podcast I love called Work and Play with Nancy Ray. She is fabulous. And she's a really devout Christian woman, um, talks about business and motherhood and faith. And she does this annual contentment challenge. And I was like, oh, this seems like the perfect time to participate. Like I'm looking for an intentional way to pare down my things. And maybe that's just not buying things. So, so I was like, yeah, I'm going to do that for the first three months, the 2021, I'm going to do this contentment challenge. And to be honest, it was a lot easier than I thought it would be. It was a lot easier than I thought it'd be. It was really life-giving because I started not to even be tempted by things. Like I wasn't tempted to walk through the dollar section of all the cute things at Target because they weren't even an option. It was like, well, even if I like this thing, I can't buy it. And I'm not going to go look at clearance clothing because even if I like this, I'm not going to buy it. So when I took the temptation totally off the table and just focused on necessities, I found immense freedom in that. And I just started to recognize how much happier I am when there's less stuff around. I just have more mental space to focus on what matters. I feel like you can more clearly hear the Lord (laughs) when, when you're not like constrained by all these like material things in your life. And that's not to say that material things are bad, right? Like the virtue of temperance is the balance and the use of created goods, right? So in, especially in the Catholic faith, you know, we, we, God made us body and soul. We need tangible things like the bells and smells at mass, you know, like those are important things. But when we start to get out of balance with them, that's when we lose focus, I think, on the Lord and what really matters. I learned that I am just so much happier when there's less stuff around because I can focus on where the Lord is leading me. Um, And the crazy thing about that time, my husband and I moved from Indiana to Tennessee during that time. And when you're in a new house, and I know a lot of people have experienced this when you're in a new house, you're like, Oh, I just want to buy a bunch of fun home decor. And I'm going to go to home goods and I'm going to go nuts because I have room for all of these throw pillows now, but I didn't even have the option. So I just focused on unpacking and working with what we already owned and We had plenty to get started with and we're still in the process of decorating. I mean, it takes months to like settle into a house and all of that, but I just didn't have the option to go out and buy a bunch of stuff. And so I didn't and it was lovely. (laughs) So that's kind of what I learned
0: during that time. Do you think you'd do it again? Absolutely.
1: Yeah. It's the kind of thing, Nancy Ray on her podcast, she does it every single year. I think she's done it. I don't remember how many years she's been doing it. I feel like this is like maybe the third or fourth time she's done it, but um, she does it now at the beginning of every year. So for the first three months of every year, she doesn't buy anything. And I'm like, yeah, I think I could do that. I mean, 2022 might be a little different because of having a baby. Um, But I think I can genuinely, like I could step back from again, like the totally nonsensical things from the target dollar section that nobody needs, you know, like, it's, it's all those little things. It's the buy now slide button on Amazon that can just run us into a bad place. <laughs> and, um, so yeah, I would, I would totally do it again. Absolutely.
0: So at at the same time, so you're, t- you're not buying anything first three months of 2021, <laughs> you're also going all in and taking a break from social media too. Yes. Tell me about that. Did you struggle? This every time I've tried to do this in very short spurts, the biggest struggle that I have is this FOMO, this fear of missing out. When I log mm. off, did was that something that played a part into you walking away from social media? And if so, what did, what did combating that look like for you? Yeah, I think
1: hmm, I think a little bit of of um, the contentment challenge was made easier by not being on social media because I wasn't first of all seeing a lot less ads. Um, I'm not seeing what other people have and then all of a sudden wanting it, wanting to know where they got it. Um, And I'm not seeing these lifestyle choices from other people desiring to buy things to make my life look like theirs. Um, And these, I mean, this can even be like holy good things, right? Like this can be like spiritual reading and, you know, religious art and things like that, which again, not bad things, but I needed a break from, from spending money on things like that. So I will say, though, my time away from social media, it was glorious. And I really haven't totally gotten back on the train um, since getting off after Christmas last year. I had a business that ended at the end of 2020 that I felt like I had to be on social media for that business. And when it shut down, I it was a direct sales thing. When I When it shut down, I was like, oh, I don't have to be here anymore. So it was kind of like this avenue the Lord really gave me to get off because I'd been wanting to get off for a little while. So I've popped back on a few times to share like big announcements like, oh, by the way, (laughs) we just moved to Tennessee. (laughs) Sorry, you know, or like, um, you know, pregnancy announcement, things like that. Uh, But I honestly, you were talking about FOMO. I was kind of tired of knowing what everyone was up to because I just don't think we're designed to be connected to that many people all at one time. It's exhausting. It is exhausting to be connected to that many people. And so for the first several months, I really didn't feel like I was combating any kind of loss by being off social media. I will say I did grow to miss certain aspects of it because there are people on Instagram that just, they make me laugh. Like they just make me laugh and laughter is good and beautiful. And like, I missed those, those people And I missed content that encourages me. There's a writer in particular I can think of. And she wrote a lot. She does write a lot about grief. And in the seasons following uh, my mom's passing, her writing was really helpful to me. And so it's like, I, but here's the, here's the difference. Instead of scrolling, hoping, hoping that I would happen upon that content, I would just be like, oh, I really wonder what she's writing about. And I would just go to her profile and read her things. And then I'd be done with it. I just didn't need the constant stream in order to find what I did miss about it. Um, And the other thing, and I was just, I've talked to so many friends about this and we have all agreed. I just feel like since the pandemic began, there is so much judgment about decision making. And so like judgment, if you are or aren't wearing a mask, judgment, if you are or aren't choosing to see people, judgment about everything. And I was just so tired of feeling like I couldn't post anything without fear of being judged for the decisions I was making on either side. Like, I don't care what what side you fall on. Like, I just, I couldn't freely share things without that, um, without feeling like I was just going to receive a lot of negativity or even if they didn't comment on it, but just knowing like the people knowing who's following what I'm doing and all those things. And just like knowing that there would be judgment there. I was like, I just, there's, there is too little time. Life is too short. I don't want to absorb that into my life right now. So I'm just not going to post about those things. And the people that I know and love are going to know about those things. And that's fine.
0: Yes. I love what you're talking about, how we're not made for that level of intimacy with so many people. The Instagram, I think in particular, that one's my vice for in- Facebook, sure. Twitter, I got off of a long time ago, but Instagram is <laughs> that's the one for me. But you know, I got lunch with a friend of mine from college. We haven't seen each other for a year and a half, and she had taken a total step back from all social media last January and has not gone back on since. And it was so beautiful to sit down because and, and eat dinner, lunch with her because neither of us had any idea what had gone on in each other's lives for the past year and a half. Yes breath of fresh air. I didn't know anything. She didn't know anything because so often in conversation, you know, when I'm talking with friends, I catch this like, oh, but I shared about that on my Instagram story. So you may know about that. So, but it's like, oh, but I really want to share something, something specifically with them. This one person I'm in conversation with, oh, but I've already Mm -hmm. shared it with all these followers. So it's lost its, you know, intentionality. So yeah, I really love that point that I have also hit upon recently in, in conversations with friends as well
1: absolutely yeah no it makes it, it it makes the time that you do spend with friends so much more intentional because you're not just trying to like fill in the gaps between your posts you know it's like you're actually sharing your life unedited unfiltered <laughs> with people that care about it and um and there's there is beauty and commun like true communion in those moments
0: yes Okay, let's say someone's listening into our conversation and they're thinking, okay, I, I'm, I'm in. I do need some time away from Instagram or maybe social media in general. And maybe they're thinking that this would be good for them. What tips would you give to discerning how to take a break? And then also, I think the biggest piece for this, at least for me, is how to set up boundaries for yourself so that you actually do take that break and aren't sneaking on Instagram at 3 a.m. just to check.
1: Yeah. So there's a book that helped me a lot. It's called Digital Minimalism. And I am so sorry that I cannot remember the author, but it's the only book called Digital Minimalism. (laughs) Oh, Cal Newport. Cal Newport. Thank you. That was from the Lord. Cal Newport. So that book, it's not religious at all. It's very secular. But that book really helped me to dig into some of the why behind my exhaustion. Like, why was I so exhausted by the constant media? And that book provides a lot of solid, practical guidance on how to lessen the digital consumption in your life. And I think one of the biggest takeaways I had from that was um, in terms of like how to set boundaries and actually like how to do it. He said, if you're going to take, because I think in the book, he has like a 30 day challenge and it's not like a fast, like it's not like, oh, do this for 30 days and then hop back onto whatever you're doing. Like, no, it's supposed to be a very transformative 30 days of like discern. Like in the Catholic world, we'd call it discernment of like how to take take a break and how to get away and how to make decisions about the role you actually want social media to play in your life instead of letting it happen to you, like you choosing it for yourself. One of the key tips he gives is you have to think about okay, what like what is the time I'm spending, that's not the way, like how much time am I spending on social media or on digital things? And what do I want to do instead? Because the problem that a lot of people have is they're like, okay, well, I'm going to step away from social media. But then they're in this place of like, well, I have all of this time and I don't know what to do with my time because I didn't plan anything. So I'm just going to get back on. And so he says, before you step away, you have to make a plan for the things you are going to fill your time with. So maybe that's, I, wow, I really used to love to go hiking. I should do that again. And I'm going to put that on my calendar to schedule time to go hiking or, um, you know, Oh, you know, instead of looking at my friend's photos on Instagram, I should call them once a week, you know, to catch up. So for me, one of the things that worked really well for me is I was like, you know, I used to read a lot more than I do now. And I have a Kindle, and my Kindle weighs less than my phone. So I would just carry my Kindle with me everywhere. And that way, when I was like, in a waiting room in a doctor's office, or, you know, sitting on the couch, and just like, I didn't, you know, it's like, I don't want to watch TV, but I don't want to just sit here and, you know, play solitaire. Like, I would just pull in my Kindle. And I would read and I read so much more that during that season of like really stepping away from media. And I still have kept that habit in some ways. Like I still travel with my Kindle. I bring a book everywhere. Like when I'm at the chiropractor, I don't want to sit on my phone. Like I'm just going to read a book. And I might only get two or three pages read. But that was more productive and more life-giving than sitting and looking at 50 photos from people that I don't know and that don't know me
0: yeah yes I love that phrase life-giving because that's a mm-hmm. shift that's a big shift because I think a lot of times when we scroll through our phones mind-sucking is like the yes. way I would describe it and so to, to swap it out and I love how that's described too right not just no to everything. No to everything and here's all the things I'm saying no to and here's all the empty space that I'm creating. But really focusing on what I'm saying yes to. So for you saying yes to reading and yes to life-giving things, that makes this also a much more enjoyable journey when I'm focusing on the things that I get to do instead of all the things that I am leaving behind.
1: Exactly. Yeah, I use a a goal setting planner called Power Sheets from a company called Cultivate What Matters and through a lot of the goal planning at the beginning of the year and then like each month you kind of like do a refresh and um they always ask you the question like what are you going to say no to and then what are you going to say yes to and so it's like you can see as you as you write that down like what that actually like what you actually desire in your life and so when you're looking at that from the from a stance of social media again there are good things about it um but if you are finding it to be more soul-sucking than life-giving, look at what areas you do find life-giving. And you might need to take like a total break. Like you might need to just totally separate yourself for a time um, before you can prudently bring aspects of it back into your life. But but to look at like what aspects of it are soul-sucking and what aspects are life-giving, take that total cutoff, take that time to really reflect on what you like about it and then focus on just taking those aspects the life-giving ones away from your time on social media and that may mean you have to unfollow people that you like that you feel weird about unfollowing <laughs> and i'm like get over it like they're not going to care they're not going to notice and it is it is more it behooves you more to take care of your spiritual and mental well-being by unfollowing those accounts than feeling this obligation to follow people for some strange reason.
0: Yeah, I think that obligation piece of it is really tying back to something that's kind of been a thread throughout this conversation, where if we're not free to say no to something, then we're not free. Oh, I, I can't even imagine not checking my Instagram. The first thing that I do when I get up in the morning, I can't say no to that. Well, there's not freedom there. You're not being able mm-hmm. to to choose or that same thing where I, I can't, I can't even imagine unfollowing that person. No, I can't do that. Well, is there freedom in that relationship? And then I think a lot of that discernment, and I love how what you're talking about is that this isn't necessarily a cookie cutter, take X amount of months away from this, or this is the exact boundary to set up, but really discerning, is there th- something life giving about my time here? What is that particular thing? Is that something that can be cultivated off of social media? Is that something I can Mm -hmm. intentionally bring into the way that I interact with social media? Because that is like a very freeing discernment that comes from that.
1: I've been, I've taken some classes at the Theology of the Body Institute, and that was one of the things we've we've talked about is is this freedom in um, seeing the goodness in things. But sometimes you have to totally cut something off and take time away from that thing that was causing you problems in order to figure out what was good about it and then let the good back into your life. But if you are so like, enslaved is a strong word, but truly, like if you are enslaved by something um, like Instagram, right? Like if you're not free, you might have to totally cut that off before you are in a place where you can actually uh, freely use some of the good things about it. So yeah, that's, that's also like a theology of the body concept. So you can thank JP two for that one, not me. I didn't tell you to do it. A saint did. So there you go.
0: You know, so you're a musician. I've loved Mm -hmm. discovering your work on Spotify recently. Thank you. Absolutely. You're also a speaker and a writer. I would love to hear about how taking a step back from social media impacted your creativity. Did you Maybe growing confidence or clarity when you were logged off from social media. Maybe too. I would love to hear you speak into. So often, social media seems to pit us against each other and encourage comparisons. Was that something you struggled with before social media? Before logging off, and is that something that you struggle with less after taking that break?
1: Yeah, comparisons, wicked. It is wicked. Um, I will say, you know, as I as I mentioned, talking about just my story in general, the last several years have been very hard, and they've been hard in many ways, but creatively and professionally, most definitely, because I, I moved to New York City five years ago and was like, I'm going to be on Broadway. And this is the only thing I've ever wanted in my whole life. And then I was there and I was miserable. And I left and I surrendered that dream. And then I was really lost. And, um, and the challenge with that is then I found myself very envious, more than inspired uh, during my time on social media. And then I hit a place where I was really saddened. And I was, I was, yeah, I was very saddened by the fact that I was having a hard time celebrating my friends' victories. Like these are friends that are having these beautiful successes in in their career. And I was having trouble celebrating them in the midst of my own struggles as an artist. And I really didn't like that about myself. And so I wanted to get away from that mentality. And something else I've reflected on in the, in the space of like being an artist and social media and all of that. And I kind of started to recognize this when I was reading digital minimalism. Like I am fully aware social media can be a great tool. It can be a great tool to help you grow an audience, to connect with people. But I feel like a lot of creatives have given into a lie that we have to have this perfect social media presence and brand in order to be successful. And I don't enjoy making digital content nearly as much as performing live. So one of the things I tried to do was I was like, okay, if I'm going to take this time away from social media, which I kept, I had this mentality of like, well, if I'm not on social media, I'm never going to book anything and I'm never going to be seen and people aren't going to know what I do. And that time away from social media actually gave me time to think, what do I actually want to do? (laughs) and instead of like pouring all of this energy into creating this really great brand which in some ways was fun creatively but I got really tired of like trying to find the best pictures of myself and post them and like during that time away I, I really started to reflect on what do I actually want how does social media play a role in helping me get what I actually want and where I feel like God is guiding me with my gifts and I was able to spend more time intentionally networking with people to book gigs and to work on projects than I ever was when I was pouring all of this time into creating digital content, which is not nearly as life-giving, there's that word again, as performing live. So, and and frankly, like I've done like a decent amount of live performing over the last year. <laughs> You might not know it, but I don't need to promote that on Instagram for it to matter. And I think as creatives, we can fall into this space of like, well, if, if not everybody that's following me knows about this thing, then it's, it does, it's not important or it didn't matter. And it's like, well, that's not necessarily true. And if you don't enjoy creating this online brand, imagine what you could do with all of the time you're spending doing that. Imagine what you could do with that time if you went and did what you actually love to do and like poured time into making what you actually want to do happen.
0: Holy smokes. There's so many sound bites from this conversation that I am like <laughs> replaying, replaying, replaying. But I think, too, something that I've been really reflecting on in my own life, especially within the Catholic Instagram specific world, is this idea of a brand. Like, oh, this has to fit the brand. This has to fit this intentional. And it is good to be intentional and it is good to have a mission and et cetera, et cetera. But just being mm-hmm. so constrained by that, that it's exhausting and not even really being able to be yourself or be authentic, like you're not a brand. You're a human being who, like you said, like is creative and it has has things that she dreams of and desires and giving yourself the space to just, yeah, to exist and for that not to be reflected necessarily in a little square on a phone. And that's so freeing. I, yeah, that's so freeing. Mm -hmm. Well, and honestly, like if I'm going to be
1: totally honest, like there are Catholic women who I, like I had to unfollow because I was like, I'm judging you and I don't even know you, but I don't like, and like, I know the only reason I'm saying that is because I know I'm not alone, but nobody ever says that. (laughs) like, There are these beautiful Catholic women that I was like, I'm just like annoyed by this whatever you're posting, and I don't want to feel that way towards a sister in Christ. I don't want to feel that way. And so I just had to unfollow them, and that doesn't mean that what they're doing is bad. Like What they're doing is really beautiful, but something about it was grating at me, and that's not an issue with them. That's an issue with me. And so I was like, I have to eliminate this this, um, you know, this occasion for sin, like, as crazy as it sounds, like, I have to eliminate this occasion of sin of judgment by just unfollowing these people, because something about them is, I don't know, it's the most bizarre thing. But like, we have to be uh, re- recently, I've heard somebody talk about like, we have to be ruthless with getting rid of sin. And it's like, sometimes that just means unfollowing beautiful people that have these beautiful brands. But like, I understand it and it's annoying me. And so I need to unfollow them because I don't want to judge them. I want to love them. Yes.
0: Yes. I think what you're getting at so beautifully here is that it's not necessarily that, oh, Instagram Instagram, and all of their algorithms, they're just encouraging us to compare. And, and I think there is a piece of that too. But I think what really happens when we take a hard look at the way that we're utilizing social media in our lives is that we have to take a look at our hearts. Like, how am mm-hmm. I using this, using this tool? And is it something that is bringing life? Is it something that's making me become more into the woman that the Lord created me to be. And if it's not, like you said, like it is not crazy to call things like, like what you described an occasion of sin, because that's what they are. And I think if we start calling spades spades and recognizing how we're really being impacted by the way that we use these things, that's when we can start making some shifts that, like you said, aren't just, I'm going to fast from this from 30 days. And then when I come back, I'm all in again. And I'm in the exact same spot that I was 31 days ago, but really mm-hmm. some really big lifestyle shifts that can change the way that we interact with people online and offline. Mm-hmm.
1: And I mean, and that's what fasting is supposed to do, right? Like if we look at Lent, as you grow spiritually, the decisions you make during Lent are supposed to carry you beyond Lent. That doesn't mean that the thing you give up for Lent, you have to give up for the rest of your life, but the behavior, like if you're fasting from something in particular, it's supposed to, again, like break that enslavement to that thing. So if you're addicted to coffee and you give up caffeine for Lent, that doesn't mean that you can never have a cup of coffee again ever in your life. That's not what that means. It just means that you're trying to kind of reset that relationship by cutting that thing off for a period of time. And like, that's, this is like the church in her wisdom provides us with seasons to do that, you know, so we can, we can take that, um, that like liturgical aspect of our church and bring that into our lives.
0: You know, speaking of lit- the liturgical calendar and our calendar in general, I'm sitting, we're sitting here recording this conversation here mid-October. And that means Thanksgiving, Christmas, right around the corner. If you have been walking around Target, it's already here. it's been here for a couple months you know contentment can be really challenging in a season where our culture is encouraging us to buy all these things and then compare Christmas mornings to the ones that we're seeing on everyone else's Instagram stories Mm
1: -hmm. as
0: we're getting ready to enter into this like you said the church sets aside seasons of preparation I think Advent is really beautiful and we think we're looking like way ahead in the calendar but it's going to be here before we know it Do you have advice for navigating this upcoming holiday season and growing in ingratitude and contentment as Catholic women?
1: Sure. Yeah. A couple of things that come to mind. The holidays are such a great time to step away from social media, even if it's just for a few days, like, even if it's like on the day of Thanksgiving, I am not going to be on my phone, you know, or on like Christmas, Eve and Christmas, like I'm just not going to be on my phone. Um, that's like the, the, those days are so beautiful to just like totally step away from that because then you just get envious of all the people in their cute flannel pajamas. And you know, my family never did stuff like that. And I see it now and I'm like, Oh, that's really cool. But I don't want to be envious of that. Right. So, um, one of the things that I have thought a lot about in the last few years as I've tried to step away from my phone during the holidays is it is so important to reflect on and remember what you loved about the holidays as a child before you had a dang phone (laughs) and like bring those things back into your holidays as an adult. Right. So like, did you love baking cookies? Did you love spending time in the kitchen with like one of your grandparents? Um, one of the things that comes to mind is like, I used to love spending extra time doing my hair and makeup for Christmas mass, you know, and like that takes time and I don't need to be on my phone to do that. Um, you know, was it spending all day in your PJs and reading a book? That was the day after Christmas in my family. The day after Christmas in my family was always stay in your PJs all day and watch movies. And like, I don't need to be on my phone to bring that back into my life. And so those things, those memories, those uh, those associations with the holidays are not limited to our childhood. And I think some of us, be like, ache for the intentionality and the magic of the holiday season from when we were kids and it's like, well, when did we decide that we had to leave that at age 10? You know? So I think we have an opportunity to like bring those back especially in this season where a lot of my friends and like I like we're becoming parents. And I'm like, man, okay, how do I want to you know, bring the beauty of the holidays into my, our family, you know, our new family. Um and then in terms of gifts, okay, here's the thing. So my husband he is a really, really good gift giver. <laughs> he's like, he's so intentional about it. He loves giving gifts. He loves, he loves giving gifts more than he likes receiving them. He just like, so, you know, in that season, if you're trying to grow in contentment and like detach from material things, don't prevent someone who loves to give you gifts from giving you a gift. Like don't, cause then you're taking joy away from another person, right? So like allow them the freedom to do that for you. But in terms of like making your wish list or buying gifts for others, think beyond what you're used to getting. So like a couple of things come to mind. Um, I've asked for, and I've gifted like subscriptions, like, uh, excuse me, like a Magnificat subscription or <laughs> like the Magnolia Journal. I think it's like 20 bucks a year. That's a really affordable present. And they get four things during the next year. And they're going to think of you every time they get a copy of that magazine. Um, experiences, like I have bought so many Christmas presents on Groupon because like I know I one year I bought like a wine tasting and I did that with my sister. Um, you know, Groupon is a great place, like buy experiences. And then it's a non, it's not consumable, but it's this very intentional gift of quality time with somebody. Um, or if it's not like something you do with them, like something they enjoy, like a facial or a massage or whatever. Um, or if you're just trying to be more intentional about what you purchase, think about, you know, businesses that give to charity or small businesses, Catholic businesses. So getting and receiving gifts is not a bad thing. It can be so fun. It's a really beautiful thing to do, right? To like love people through that. So instead of feeling like you just have to stop you know, all around, just think of more intentional ways to give and receive. That would be my advice for like gift giving during the holidays.
0: I love that because then it really gives you the time to reflect on the person that you're gifting something to who they are, your relationship with them. And that is so honoring of that relationship between you and them and who they are and their dignity as a person. And that what a beautiful thing to reflect on in the Christmas season. Holy smokes. That's perfect. It's Mm -hmm. just made for that.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think too, like one of the things my, my sister, is an amazing baker. And she every year makes shortbread, it's kind of become her thing. And she will always try like new shortbread recipes. And so last year, she gifted like a ton of people, a box of like a variety of shortbread. And that took her so much time, but it didn't cost her a ton of money in order to like love a lot of people well during the holidays through a gift that she has, which is baking. So even think about that. Like what are the gifts that you have that you can expound upon during the holidays to share with other people? That's another way to think about it too.
0: Yes. A lot of things that I'm bookmarking as I'm getting ready to start (laughs) into the shopping. That is beautiful. Okay. This is. I could talk to you for another forty five minutes because I I'm, know me too. This oh, is fun. <laughs> this is so wonderful. Where can listeners find you online? How can they continue to get to know you and discover your work as an artist?
1: Sure. So my my music is on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Music under Jessamine Anderson, and I also have. This is so funny. I normally don't promote this, but I was thinking about this. I have a decent amount of YouTube videos from shows and concerts I've done throughout the years. Those are just kind of fun to go back and watch. Lots of show tunes and just different performances I've done so if you're like really getting a kick out of my album and want some live action there you go (laughs) there's a bunch of stuff in the YouTube archives of that and I do have an Instagram account at Jasmine Anderson I haven't like I said I haven't been super active on it um but I'm feeling this pull from the Lord to like intentionally use it again so I'll keep you posted on that if I if I'm if I fully dive back in, I've been kind of scrolling and seeing what people are up to. And I I do miss writing things. So, but you can go back and read anything that's on there. I have never taken anything down. So there's a lot on my Instagram page, especially about what we've talked about today with contentment and um, and being away from social media for a time.
0: Jessamyn, the one question that I ask any woman who comes on the podcast is this last one that we'll use to close our conversation together today. And it's this, how do you live out the feminine genius in your ordinary daily life, especially as a woman striving for freedom and for contentment? Hmm,
1: I, I'm working very hard on a more consistent rhythm of prayer. I will confess that that is challenging for me. So I'm working hard on a just a more consistent rhythm of prayer and in this particular season of pregnancy i am learning a lot about what it looks like to honor my body and to honor the way that god made me and and to really like give myself grace in this and to understand like the beauty of my femininity and the and the privilege it is to bear life and so i hope i can carry that attitude of honoring my body forward into motherhood and then pass that on to my children, whether they're, whether it's the little boy or little girl, I don't know. We're not going to find out. Um, but I, I would really love to like carry that forward into all of the seasons of my life to really honor the way that God made me.
0: I love that. Thanks for, for coming on the podcast, for sharing your story. This has been an absolutely delightful conversation. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Letters to Women. You can check out the show notes for my conversation with Jessamine over at letters to women or you can just scroll down to browse through links to check out resources that we mentioned in the show, like the podcast from Work and Play with Nancy Ray, that Jessamine mentioned as well as that book on digital minimalism that she shared about in this episode together. You'll also find a link so you can get on the wait list for that box subscription signups to the Little Catholic Box that start in December. Hit subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss a single new episode. And if you're an Apple user, and I know most of you are, I am like one of the few left on Team Android over here, it would be really appreciated if you left Letters to Women just a quick review. Let me know how I'm doing Tell other Catholic women about why you like the show. I love reading through those reviews because they help me get to know you better and they help me learn how to shape the show in the future based on your thoughts and your feedback as a listener. You can check out all the behind the scenes info over on my Instagram account at letters to women underscore podcast. I really like spending the next couple weeks after a podcast episode airs to just dive into those topics covered in the podcast episode share quotes from the show, and I just like getting to know you in the comments and in my DMs. I'm actually getting ready to enter into a month-long editing session for my third book, which is on the gift of friendship with women in our lives. So I'm going to be pretty quiet on Instagram over the next couple of months while I focus on those edits, but please pray for me, pray for my editor. I'm really excited to share more about this project with you. And currently, if I get those edits done in the next month, (laughs) again, pray for me. It's scheduled for a spring publication in 2022 with our Sunday visitor. That is all I have for today's episode. So until next time, be not afraid.